Run that back turbo. Weezy out here. Weezy out here. Jumped out of a way, right into a daze. It can wreck your life. You gotta think twice. Put it together, the color I like. Know it look better whenever enticed. Powder blue leather, whatever vice. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Buzz Pod. I'm your host, Nico Blatchman. And before we get into our special guest today, I just wanted to say a quick thank you to everyone who purchased Bar Down Change Hockey Culture merch. Um, obviously a great cause, 100% of those net profits um, went to the Hockey Diversity Alliance and, and Akeem Aliyu's Time to Dream Foundation. So thank you to everyone who purchased merch. And that drop is unfortunately over, but you can keep shopping Bar Down Hockey with 20% off using our code BDBEAUTY. So now joining us today is our first ever retired player to come on the pod. He spent time in the USHL, NCAA, AHL, ECHL, and Europe, and now continues his success off the ice during retirement, running a successful gym in St. Louis where he trains top-tier guys from NHL down to junior, helping them upgrade their body and skill. While staying around the game, we all grow up living and breathing. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Jeff Lavecchio to the pod. Thanks for having me, bro. Excited to be here. Holy smokes. I, that intro took a lot out of me. But, um, Jeff, I'm so happy to have you on, especially um, as the first guy that um, is retired from the game. You're freshly retired two years ago, but now, um, like I mentioned in that intro, that you're running a successful gym training some top-tier guys over there in St. Louis, so you stayed around the game. Um, but can we take it back to the glory days? Um, I mean, you were a captain at Western Michigan University. Uh, what was that like back in the day? Like some some old time at NCAA. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was awesome. Take take it easy on old time. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, no, that's my bad. That's like ten years ago. No, no, no. It's it's longer than that. I was there. I think I got uh, I played three years in the USHL in Omaha, and then uh, I guess it would have been oh five oh six was my freshman year of college at Western. Um, I decided to go to Western, even though I had some pretty big schools uh, offer me scholarships. I might have played another year of juniors. I had already played three years, and I had already done well, so I knew that I was ready to go. So I chose a smaller school um, because I wanted to go somewhere and play right away um, because my goal was to leave school early even though no one else thought I could do it no one else believed I would do it um, my goal was to go to college to, to try and get an NHL deal and um, I had a bunch of teams that wanted to sign me after my sophomore year I decided to stay one more year and I uh, wound up luckily signing with the Boston Bruins after my junior season at Western and uh, did you ever consider, since since your plan was so very straight NHL, did you ever consider going major junior, or was that just like not really a thing because you're a U.S. guy? Um, well, where I'm from in St. Louis, like when I was growing up, uh, we didn't even know what the USHL was. I didn't know what the OHL was. Didn't know what major junior was. Like kids didn't even have cell phones yet when I was coming up. So, but it, even though it wasn't that long ago. It was long enough where the technology hadn't caught up where I knew about all these leagues. I actually, I think uh, we went to Silver Sticks when I was like freshman in high school in Sarnia. And we played in the Sarnia Stings rink and I didn't even know what the OHL was 
back then. And uh, they called me when I got home and were like, hey, we want to draft you in the first round. Like, will you come? And I was like, no, I have to go to college. I just thought that's like what you did, go to college. And my parents were like, no, no, you're going to college no matter what. Like, you're getting a degree. Um, So they called me and said, we're going to draft you first round. And I was kind of like, well, what's the OHL? And I was like, oh, it's not college. Well, I have to go to college. My parents said so. We didn't know what anything was. I went to the USHL when I was 15 to try out for Omaha, not even knowing what the USHL was. I was just going because my buddy Paul Stasny's brother um, played for them. So we all just went and tried out just to get experience one year. So for me, that was never an option um, just because I didn't really know about it. I was also, I don't like the term late bloomer. Um, I, I like I was just like normal. I wasn't like some phenom. Like, you know, I called yeah. Patrick Cannon guys like that like they're they're accelerated they're they're the exception not the rule like late bloomers are actually like the the rule so um i definitely wouldn't have been ready to play major junior when i was younger i was like a skinny little kid i was immature uh mentally weak so um for me college was definitely the right route yeah definitely you said that very well and um 07 08 after your year you you signed you mentioned you signed um with boston and you actually finished um, that year in the AHL and then you didn't play 2008-2009 or at least that's what it says on Elite Prospects um, like was that like due to injury or you weren't sure what you wanted to do because like it seems like you knew you wanted to be a hockey player no that was injury so I signed with Boston after my junior year and uh, like most college players um, they put me on an ATO to go play in Providence to get experience for that next year. My NHL deal kicked in the year after. Uh, I played really, really well. Um, had a couple short-handed goals. Had a couple points. Uh, Boston said that you know they're really happy with me. They're excited. Same with uh, Providence. And I went home in that summer. And unfortunately, I got a really bad concussion. Um, obviously, I didn't know how bad it was going to wind up being, but I wound up missing my entire first full year pro and first full year under contract with the Bruins. Uh, It was a pretty tough time. Thought I'd never play again, but, um, you know, when I had the decision two years later um, to either, I had 10 games to decide if I was going to try and play and then I would lose my insurance payout or I could take my insurance payout and I could never play professional hockey again. Um, And for me, like, I'd worked my entire life, grinded my entire life to get where I was. And there was no chance for me that I was just going to take a bunch of money and not even try. So um, I kept on playing. Unfortunately, I had a bunch more concussions over the next nine years. But I got to play for 10 years professionally. So, uh, you know, pretty happy about that. Yeah, I mean, and and you were a solid AHL player. You were a point-per-game guy in the ECHL. Um, what, what played a role into your decision to going over to Europe? Was it was – it, was it, were the concussions part of that? Because, you know, you hear that in Europe the game is, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but you hear that the game is a bit more skill, a little softer, but also maybe, maybe a bit more dangerous with the sticks. I don't know. That's what I've heard, but I, you, you can tell me more. Yeah, that was, that was the main contributing fact. Um, you know, after that year that I missed, I played the next year, and I had a really good year. I had 15 goals in 65 games in the American League, and I got another concussion that year, and I, I didn't play on the power play at all. Um, so yeah. 15 even strength and shorthanded goals in the American League, like, that was pretty good. Um, 
you know, they used to say like twenty will get you a hundred. <laughs> so, yeah, that's um, my that's my career points my right goal. there. That's pretty good. Yeah, my, <laughs> my goal is always to try and score twenty goals, and I, I wasn't a goal scorer. I wasn't a skill guy. I was a power forward who just played a simple game, like would fight if I had to, but I wasn't very good at it. Uh, just like a good team player, and, and always worked hard, and just always kind of found the back of the net somehow. Um, but I kept getting concussions, kept getting concussions. Uh, I was in the American League that third year, and I went down to the coast, and I was supposed to go back up the next day to the American League, and I missed a breakaway. Uh, I went into the corner, and I shoulder-checked one way and not the other way, and this Russian kid hit me from behind with a straight elbow to the back of my head. Holy Lights out, God. shattered, like my jaw, broke a bunch of bones in my jaw, blew my sinus out, and when that happened, uh, I knew that my, my my shot at like even trying to play in the NHL was over after that concussion because I had so many and I already had to kind of change the way I played to not be as reckless. Um, right, right. And I just knew that I, that playing that more of a safe style game was not what I needed to do to make the NHL. It's not why the Bruins signed me. It's because of like that kind of older reckless style I played that they wanted me, I think. Um, so I knew that my shot at even trying to play the NHL was over. So I decided to go to Europe for all of those things that I heard, you know, make more money than, you know, the yep. NHL back then and make more money than, you know, I only played a couple months in the coast, but make more money obviously than the coast. And, and just live a better life and see the world and things like that. So um, on bad advice from my European agent, I signed in Italy that first year, uh, coming from mostly being an American League pro. I should not have went to that league, but I did. Um, so any players listening to this, do your homework before you go to Europe so you don't start below where you need to because then you're going to have to clump all your way up. Um, so that's kind of what I did, and that's the reason I went to Europe. And uh, I played seven seven years over in Europe and Asia, so that was that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's some great advice for guys because I find a lot of guys here. Um, I've heard that there's more money in Europe than the ECHL and the AHL. Like, if you can play in the AHL, you can make more money in Europe. Um, but obviously, guys that stay in the U.S. Um, is because they want to play in the NHL. Eventually, they want to work their way up that um, U.S. ladder and play in the National Hockey League. But I think Europe is something great for if you, it, like you said, like you realize that, like you know what, I can't play the game that I got to play play in the National Hockey League. Or even if you realize like you're in the coast for a while, like or 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 in the A for a while, and you just don't see it happening, like you can go over there and make more money. But definitely. Uh, do your homework because I've heard a lot of great stuff, but I've heard maybe double the bad stuff about like just uh, maybe that's more Russia about the getting paid stuff. But like I, I've heard some ridiculous stories about over there in Europe. But can you talk a bit about Europe? I mean, about Italy because Italy's one place I've never been to that I always say I gotta go to. Yeah, it's you know, and, and to go back to your point, like. When I was playing the American League, there weren't that many guys that were making over six figures on their American League salary. And now, like, tons of guys do. So now it's it's safer and uh, as far as getting paid and all that stuff, being in the American League, you can definitely make more in the American League now. The guys who make the big 
money going to Europe are the guys who probably played some games in the NHL or were AHL studs or they went to Europe and they worked their way over there. Like people just think that, oh, I'm going to go to Europe and I'm going to make a bunch of money. It's actually like pretty hard. Especially, I mean, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like this year with Corona going on. I'm sure a lot of teams lost a ton of money and salaries will be down. But um, in the past, you know, I just thought that too. Oh, you know, I played 150 games or whatever it was in the American League, missed a whole year, would have played another 80 or whatever that year. But like, oh, I'll just I'll just easily make a bunch of money. And it's, it's not. Like, it's, it's hard. Like, it's a grind, especially because over there you have to put up numbers. Like, it doesn't really matter what type of player you are. If they're bringing you in as an import to sign, like, you have to put up numbers. So that's definitely, like, there's a little more pressure, but you play less games, you can take better care of your body. So there's pros and cons to both, obviously. Um, but Italy was Italy was super interesting. I played there the year of the lockout. So every team that year had seven to ten imports. Um, the year after that, there was only four imports. So it was quite. It was a really good league when I was there. The, the, the following year, it dropped off quite a bit. Um, but like you said, every league you got to do your homework. And I don't know what your audience is for this podcast, but if it's players, like yeah, it's all players. It's mostly players. Yeah, so I urge every player that wants to go to Europe to look at rosters, teams that are talking to you, look at the roster from the, the five previous seasons. There's going to be somebody on there that you either know or somebody that you know, a buddy knows. And just reach out to them because once you go to Europe, everyone talks. I had a guy yesterday message me about a team that I played for twice in Austria. Don't know the guy because I tell everybody, like, you just reach out to guys, friends of friends, hey, how was it there? Did you get paid on time? How was the apartment situation? How's the travel? How's the locker room? How's the equipment situation? Like, you want to know about everything and to make an informed decision. Because that first year I went to Italy, uh, I went to a town of only 700 people. We'd have like 1,800, 2,000 people in the stands for every game. But the town I lived in was only 700. Everything was closed all the time. I lived in a tiny apartment. Um, they, they just live differently over there than they do in the U.S. Uh, I say that it was a great place to visit, but if I had to do it again, there's no chance I would have went to that team because of how small the town was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know about small towns, but, like, never that small. That sounds insane, especially, yeah. like, at that age. Like, I've played in small teams um, during my junior hockey career, but um, in pro, definitely, when you have options of uh, – the options that you do have maybe definitely do your research there but the following year you go to Norway and you're, you're actually an assistant captain there and you torched Norway like you had 58 points in 45 games and 106 pims so can you talk about that experience in Norway was that like a bit better or was it kind of like similar yeah it was awesome Norway's a better league than Italy so it was a step up um I mean it, it, Europe is it's, it's very interesting. Like, depend, every league is different. Every league has different import rules. Um, in Italy, the coach that I had, too, like, that makes a difference, too. Like, who's the coach you're playing for? What's his style? What's his philosophy? Like, the coach I played for in Italy wanted to have, like, four balanced lines. So instead of me playing with, like, the other, like, best player on the team who was a disher and I was a shooter like we didn't play on the same line so in Italy the entire year I played with this one Italian guy who had two professional points going into that year <laughs> obviously I mean I'm a guy who's a 
like a, a muck and grind, like greasy type of player down low. But like if guys aren't shooting the puck, like I'm not in the in the paint to like score. So for me, you know, like not making excuses, I didn't have as good a year in Italy because the quality of my line mate wasn't as good. Right. Um, I go to Norway and it's a better league. Norwegian players are better than Italian players on average um, for like homegrown players. Right. Um, league was faster, more skilled. Uh, Norway is a beautiful country. Everything's expensive there. So again, me not doing research or not knowing I know a little bit, but not really knowing. Um, everything in Norway was like seven times more expensive than it was in the U.S. So even though my salary went up, everything in the country was more expensive. So that's again something you got to think about. Um, they actually voted me the captain there, but I told them I wanted to be the assistant and have a Norwegian guy be the captain because I thought because you didn't speak any Norwegian. Yeah, I thought the refs would all speak Norwegian, so I was like, it just makes more sense for me to be the assistant and let our, uh, a Norwegian guy talk to the refs. Uh, I probably should have talked to the refs less there because the reason I had 106 pims is I think I got 40 pims in one, one game just by, like, the refs gave me a misconduct, and I think I gave him a misconduct back, and they kicked me out of the game, and I don't know, I was giving the fans a finger or something. I, I loved uh, getting the fans riled up from other teams, so uh, that was the only reason I had that many pibs there, but, but that was a good year. And then the next year, uh, again, I went up another league. Uh, I went up a couple leagues. I went to Austria. Yeah, fair hair bear. Fair hair bear. Take us for Herbar, so for Herbar AV19, and that's a really, really good league over in Europe. It's very North American. It's on par with the DEL. Um, pavement is on par with the DEL for most teams, too. So that was a big step for me in my career, and, and I loved every second of playing in uh, in Norway and uh, Austria. And then, and then you go – wait, actually, before we move on with you, I actually have a personal question, which uh, – you know, I'm sure other people will be able to benefit from. I'm getting, or I'm like in the process, it's almost done getting my, my Polish passport because I have Polish uh, uh, family. And um, I'm wondering, I wanted to ask you if you know, like, so does that make me a non-import in, in every Euro League or, or every Euro League is different? Because um, I heard that some Euro Leagues, it's like you got to be from, you got your passport has to be from that country. And some Euro leagues, it just has to be from Europe. Do you know? Yeah. So um, mostly, it's for the country that the league is in. Um, there might be one or two leagues where that would help you, but I honestly don't think. I, I could be wrong, but I don't think that'll really help you, other than in probably Poland. Or uh, I don't know if there's a Polish team in the what league is that? The Mole league it used to be called. I don't know. I don't know um, what that league's called now. Uh, but it was like Hungary, Poland. Uh, I don't even. A couple countries like that. Um, yeah, that's one that you just have to get an agent to talk to to make sure. But I think it's it's usually you have to have your pass for the country you're in and that and that league might even have a rule where it doesn't matter so yeah so so yeah so here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna ask my agent chad levitt cem a little shout out to him um and i'll and i'll and i'll give the guys uh that are listening to the pod the answer next podcast there you have it there you go so and then you go on after after fehervar you go to uh the asian league the asia league so I actually like when I saw that on your elite prospects. That's a new one for me. I've never even heard of that. 
Um, so I just started to look into it and like, like, wow, man, I can't believe like there's a whole league over there. There's some sick guys. There's a lot of guys that played like AHL that go over to the Asia league. Like I was surprised to see that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually when I was deciding to go to Europe that first year, I, my agent called me and he's like, I can get you to Japan. And if you can stay there for a, a bunch of years, you know, you'll make a million dollars tax free. And my dumbass was like, no, no, no. Like, I want to go play in the DEFL and then try and come back. Maybe if my, my head is good, blah, blah. Like, just so stupid. If I just went to Japan right away, I'd be sitting pretty right now. Um, wow. It's hard to believe that because, like, Japan, hockey, wow. Yeah, like, well, it's, 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 it's a, I mean, it's a hidden gem. Like, older pros all know about it. Um, when I played in the league, it was mostly guys that had at least a couple NHL games. Um, the reason they pay so much money is they're backed by very large companies. And so much money is a relative term. Like, guys in the KHL are making more than guys in Asia, obviously. Guys in SHL, for the most part, are making same or more than guys in, in Asia. Yeah, um, but there's the some very, there's, there's some very, like, uh, sketchy stories in the KHL. Is there is, is there some sketchy stories, like, in the, in the Asia League? Or is it more like... No, no, no. no, no. Asia is... Asian people are there. Yeah, that's what I figured. They're, they're dialed in, and, and I got treated better in the in the Asian league than I did in the American Hockey League. Like, it was unbelievable. I brought home 36 brand new sticks over two years. They gave wow. me 18 sticks each year to come home with. So, like, right there, that's like six Gs and sticks. Yeah, you're, that, um, so well, and that goes to show a lot because, like, you got guys playing major junior. You're talking to a guy that played major junior. We were taking two to three sticks a summer. So, like, I, like you know what I mean? So, so that just speaks a lot, like... 18 twigs like that's an investment right there oh dude i got i got ahl guys i trained that they gave them two sticks to come home with and then they're like well i'm not gonna tip you as much to the trainer and then they wind up getting like four sticks so um yeah it's uh you know it's a little i was that's the only time i was nervous i wasn't nervous going over to any of the different countries i played in in europe um going to japan i was a little nervous because it's completely different we had a, a translator there's only three imports um, so we had a translator for the imports that would be on the ice with us. So like in the huddles, when the coach is like drawn up, uh, uh, drills in practice, the three imports would stand behind everyone else and he would translate what's going on. He'd be on the bench translating what the coach is saying, or if I wanted to speak up in the locker room to all the boys, um, he would translate what I was saying in between periods and wow. stuff like that. Yeah, really cool experience. Asian players, or I played in Japan. That league was Russia, uh, China, Korea, and Japan when I played in it. And uh, the, the the Russians are obviously sick. Bunch of like VHL and XKHL guys. Um, Korea was sick. They're super skilled. Japanese players are the hardest working players I've ever seen. They're all extremely, extremely skilled. Uh, but they don't have the same level of coaching, obviously, that we have growing up. So, like, it was it was definitely a lot easier to exploit uh, the, the, the their tendencies in the game. The, the, the league is still very good. It's extremely fast. Like, it's the fastest league I've ever played in. Um, wow. Just, like, the way that everyone skates is insane. But they just focus so much on skating in Japan, like, their whole life. So that's just why it's really good skaters. But... Yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting. I loved it. I learned so much about people 
Um, it's helped me in my business, with my podcast, with everything I've done, just living in all these different places and learning how to work with and around and um, against like people of different, you know, societal and cultural backgrounds. Yeah, so there, that's that's huge. Like the Asia League, that's a hidden gem. You're gonna get guys going to the Asia League all the time now. Young guys, I might even consider it um, if it's possible. If they're looking for 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 a power forward that doesn't um, put up as many points as you. But um, let's get into uh, present day, uh, Jeff Lavecchio. Um, you uh, you got your gym and everything. Can you maybe get into how that all came about? Um, obviously like you, you were a professional athlete, so I mean, goes hand in hand with training and healthy lifestyle, but, um, not, not a lot of guys keep that healthy lifestyle after the game you did. And now you, um, give it to younger guys, upcoming guys and help them. So, um, can you talk about like how you got into it and how you got started? Yeah. I mean, the only reason that I got hurt my first year of juniors in the USHL when I was uh, a junior in high school and I missed like half the season and I wasn't into working out yet at that time. It wasn't even big when I was a kid, really. Um, but that's what got me into training. I could only work out. Uh, I couldn't skate for like, th- I think it was 93 days. It was three months. And my, my, uh, athletic trainer on the team like put me through workouts every day another older guy on the team who had played in the whl was just a jacked monster he was super into working out so like he let me train with him that really like i got so much confidence from the gym that it changed my life like i was always like like not unconfident but just like i didn't have that swagger and as soon as i started like building my body up and like putting in the work and seeing the sweat equity like I gained instant confidence because I knew I was doing more than other guys I knew I was working better smarter harder than other guys and that confidence translated to the way I started playing on the ice so I became like really obsessed with it it's the only reason I got a scholarship it's the only reason the Bruins signed me it's the only reason I played 10 years professionally um, so after that third year in the U.S. where I finished in the coast and I got that last concussion from that Russian kid hit me from behind, I was like, well, I never know when the next concussion is going to happen and if that will be the one that makes me have to retire. So I started my training company in the offseason because in the offseason I was only working out, you know, two, three hours a day and then you got nothing else to do. I was being lazy, sitting by the pool, enjoying a good life. Yeah. So I started this company and I had to. I went to my local AAA team and said, "Hey, I'm gonna start this company. I know what it takes. I won testing, and in all the NHL camps I went to, like I was always the most in shape. I always put up the most numbers. Yada yada yada. Uh, so I, I got certified, and I, I started this company. And um, two guys in the summer, my first year, turned into ten guys the second year, into thirty, into forty, into sixty, and I ran two camps on top of training sixty. Into my last summer, I think I had like two separate camps one of like 20 one of like 35 that ran all summer on top of i trained over 100 athletes um that summer so going into my 10th year i knew that was going to be my last year just because the company uh uh, training guys had blown up so much for me um and it was just a way for me to kind of leave the game healthy um and not have to worry about my brain anymore because after that bad concussion before my first year um every single day i was on the ice i was worried about getting another one uh you know i missed an entire year of my life like i didn't remember things from like the week that i got the concussion like it was a very bad concussion so um 
it was definitely something that was always on my mind every single practice every single game even though it wasn't at the forefront of my mind it was always in the back of my mind so I decided that when my company blew up after that before that 10th year that that would be my last year and luckily the transition was very smooth because every summer I had built my company up and done something to proactively be ready for retirement so the day that I retired I think after you know that first year I think I trained over 200 people that year and then uh, this was the second full season uh, running my training company and now I've got an online thing where I'm training hockey players where I've had over almost 600 people use my programs now um, just and I started that right when COVID hit so I didn't even have that before COVID wow. um, so if there's any advice I could give to any players I think a lot of players when I was playing didn't want to start looking at what do they want to do life after hockey because they thought that would take their focus away from hockey. But um, actually studies show that it makes you better at hockey when you find out and you work on things that you're interested in outside of the game. Uh, we had an NHL, a guy who worked for the NHL who works at that exact segment on my podcast and the numbers are staggering how much better guys play once they enroll into the, those types of programs or go you want to be a firefighter go hang out the firefight fire station once or twice a week and offer to just be a volunteer or just learn in the summer and that's going to get you involved with the guys you're going to learn the systems you're going to learn it so i think that's kind of why my transition has been so extremely smooth is that it wasn't really a transition i had already set this up beforehand yeah, I think that's huge. Uh, I think a lot of guys, you're right, a lot of guys are scared to do other things during the season. Um, I mean, there's a lot of contributing factors to that. They think that it's going to take away from their game. They think that their coaches aren't going to approve of them, uh, uh, you know, starting a company. They're going to be like, they're going to think the coaches aren't, uh, that the coaches are, aren't, are going to think that they're not taking hockey seriously, um, things like that. But But like you said, I mean, for me, it when I started this podcast, for example, like when you're playing hockey and only hockey, like you're at the rink and then after after a game, like you have a day off, if you had a bad game and you're just soaking that in, feeling terrible about yourself like all day, whereas like if you have a podcast and you got a sick guy coming on the next day, you know, it's good. It's just really good for your head to have other things going and other things going well while you're playing hockey because then it'll just translate because then you find yourself next practice you're not really thinking about how bad the last game was you watched that you had a great pod or whatever you do off the ice and 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 you're back at practice and you're focused for the next game and another thing that i want to touch on is what you said about um when you started to work and and you started to gain confidence from that when you started to work out and that's something that I actually love to preach is that you got to consistently work for consistent confidence. Like there's a lot of guys that can be confident here and there. And those guys are the guys that like, you know, they had a good game. So they're confident for the next game. But the guys that put in work every single day, like, and they know that they're putting in more work than the rest of the guys, like that's real confidence building. Um, that's what I like to preach always. So I love that you said that. Yeah, 100%. And that made me think of that saying, and I'm going to butcher it. I can't remember what it is, but it's like uh, success isn't isn't owned. It's rented. And, uh, and like, payments is due every yeah, day. Yeah, rent is due every day, yep. Yeah, rent is due every day. And, that, and how, how do you pay that rent? You pay that rent by building the confidence 
which then makes you successful, well, how do you build the confidence? I believe it's all in preparation. Preparing your body to, to play on the ice, you know, by training, by doing mobility, by doing meditation, by eating nutritious foods, reducing cortisol, going to bed at the right time, like doing all of these different things away from the rink are going to prepare you to succeed and you will have confidence because you know that you prepared to the best of your abilities. So when you go out there, you're just ready to go. Um, and, and that's so massively important. And it's the reason why somebody like me who, you know, I wasn't the most naturally gifted. And no, I did not play in the NHL for 10 years. I didn't even play one game. I was, I, But I was on the roster for playoffs. I was literally on an NHL roster. I played seven preseason games, and I had two goals, an assist, a fight. I hit a guy through the glass. I won testing. Like, I couldn't have done probably much more to, like, have given myself a chance. And I can rest my head on the pillow every night I go to bed knowing that I did everything I could, which is why I'm able to believe in what I do now and why people come to my gym because they know that I lived it. I didn't fake any of this. The only reason I got to do anything in hockey was because I got confidence through the gym. Right, right. Straight up. And I, and I love when people say you don't score goals from the gym because now you just sound like an idiot nowadays. It's just proven to be wrong. But um, <laughs> uh, Jeff, like, give me a day in the life. I mean, obviously you're a very busy guy. You talked about how when you were just starting your first year out of pro, how many guys you were training. So um, can't even imagine now um, how packed your days are. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm grateful that you were you had a couple minutes to hop on this pod today. Um, can you run us through like like a Monday, Tuesday, you know, like a day in the life? <laughs> uh, I usually wake up at 5 a.m. Uh, every day, do sus done some programs out right now. We'll just do right now. I'm, I'm working with like uh, three separate NHL guys. Uh, where I send them workouts daily to complete right now as they're skate, starting to skate with their teams or doing my workouts to get ready for this July 10th training camp that'll start. Uh, send out some more workouts and just stay in touch with athletes using my online programming. Uh, get to the gym around 6.30, usually 6.45, and then uh, I have about hour and a half to two-hour sessions for anywhere from 8 to 12 hours straight every day. Uh, wow. Well, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, I probably only have like three to four sessions, uh, work for like six to seven hours on those other three days, but the other four days I'm working with anywhere from 60 to uh, maybe it's like 72 guys a day right now. Oh, I'm one female, I can't forget about that. I trained uh, one of the USA uh, Olympic women's goaltenders too, so I don't wow. want to forget about Nicole. So my guys and Nicole. Love that, love that, and uh, so so you you're working twelve hours, and then after the gym, I mean, you mentioned you're on a hockey podcast, you're 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 a guest on other people's podcasts, like pretty consistently. I mean, um, you know, like, can you talk a bit about that side also? Yeah, uh, coming out of that that last year, I played. Um, you know, my goal is to like, I I work very hard in the summer. I work with a lot of uh, the best players in St. Louis. NHL guys down to I think the youngest guy now I work with is like 14 um, trying to hire some some more strength coaches actually to work with the young the youth in St. Louis and as they progress up the ranks as they get older and if they can play in the USHL Division 3 Division 1 then they'll transition into working with me um, 
totally lost my train of thought there man <laughs> oh no that's no that's all good i was just asking about like you know also with the gym you got the pod and stuff like that so oh yeah 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 so so with that like i'm just trying to work with the older guys and so during the hockey season um all my guys are gone uh my first year out i was a strength coach for the local AAA organization here um that that took up a lot of time and uh, um my AAA organization went into a different rink and I decided that the gym that they were putting in there with Exos didn't really make sense for me. I didn't want to work for another company. I want to own my own thing, do my own thing. So I put my gym in another brand new rink in St. Louis. So usually uh, I'll train like my NHL or college players' families during the day, during the hockey season, because it it kind of brings like a, a full circle culture to what I do then when the guys are home in the summer their parents know they're with me the parents like me I have a rapport with them it's just it's just kind of this like culture I'm trying to build with all of my high level athletes and then usually at night I'm, I'm podcasting we started that podcast like I said after my first year my cousin's like hey I want to want to start a podcast what do you think and I didn't only podcast I ever listened to was Joe Rogan I love him yeah um, I love that too and, uh, yeah, he's unbelievable, and so I was like, yeah, man, I don't know who's going to listen to us, but whatever, I mean, he was a D1 coach for six years, um, and I'm, you know, somebody that nobody really knows other than people in St. Louis, and uh, I think to date now, we've got like 310, 320,000 downloads of our podcast, and it's wow. grown up pretty big, yeah, we've had on like Hall of Fame NHL players, we've had on mental coaches, we had Mike Boyle on, who I think is like the best strength coach in hockey, we've had on some really cool guests, and that's blown up uh, quite a bit, which has then led me to be on podcasts like yours, or like Craig Custins from The Athletic, or, or whoever's, you know, just trying to help people with, with the ways that I look at, at hockey and training and mindset and stuff like that. Yeah, so, um, I mean, you're, you're very... Uh... You know what, for for a guy, and, and I don't mean to make you seem old, but like, you know how you mentioned that like when you were growing up, you didn't have that technology and stuff. And, you know, for me as a young guy that I grew up with the technology and everything, it was really hard for me. And I'm an outgoing guy in the locker room and everything. But when you put yourself like when you think of doing a podcast, it was it was hard for me to get myself to start this. Like I've had a couple old teammates like try to get me to do this with them and like I was just not down and then eventually it clicked while I was playing CIS but for you as a guy that didn't really grow up with technology like you seem to like really adapt to present day and like just like take it on you know like you got your your fitness Instagram and you're consistent with that and uh, you, you have your podcast like you're a podcaster you know what I mean so um can you talk about like how important that is for you just like staying up to date and 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 like you know staying with the times because you're obviously just like right there with it dude like guys your age like you know what i mean and and even guys my age like don't start podcasts like when i started the pod in the beginning i remember all the boys on my team just like laughing at me like dude what are you doing you know whereas like now it's it's a bit different yeah no totally no one thing for me is that like the only reason, and success is a relative term, right? Like, you know, it depends on where you start and what your genetics are and all these things. But, like, 
I didn't have the success I had in hockey because I was just like naturally skilled. Like my first year AAA in seventh grade, I played one shift a period, sometimes two shifts a game. And I tell all the kids that, you know, they look up to me. It's like, oh, you know, you, you were with the Bruins and, you know, you were black ace in the playoffs. And I'm like, yeah, but like the reason I got out there was all these things that I tried to put out in the world. So for me, like, yeah, I'm sure people chirped me in the beginning of the podcast. People, when, uh, when nutrition and fitness weren't big when I was younger, all my teammates, like, even though they all loved me and I was a captain and a leader everywhere I played, they'd always give me, you know, those, oh, Vex has got his water bottle. Vex, is, Vex where's your protein shake? Yeah. the bar when I was when I was in the American League and I, you know, I'd have one or two drinks or no drinks while all the other boys were getting drunk and I'm, I'm, I've got turkey in my pocket, and I'm eating it while I'm there, you know, <laughs> while I'm wheeling. Because I, just, I knew that I had to be dedicated, and I knew what my goals were, and nobody was going to stand in the way of my goals. So for me, when I have somebody tell me, hey, I want to achieve this, I know how hard it is to achieve any lofty goal. But I'll tell you what, the way to do it is through hard work, dedication, believing in yourself, like all these cliche things. Like, you're doing the right stuff, man. Your Instagram is money. Brownie, Logan Brown, who I trained, told me about it. I looked it up, and I was like, dude, I love everything this guy's doing. I mean, now we're talking to each other. So putting yourself out there, believing in what you know works, uh, trying to help others, that's just kind of what I'm all about. And the, all these other things just presented themselves. Like, I spoke to Dell. I spoke to 120 employees or something out of Dell. Or was it 70? I don't even know. It was a bunch of employees for Dell. During COVID, I did, like, a professional speech to Dell to Stryker, to Medtronic, all these massive billion-dollar companies. And it was just like they saw my Instagram and, and friends knew who I was or whatever. And, and it was literally all just because I'm trying to put myself out there and show people that you can be successful in anything you set your mind to, although it takes a lot of work, you can achieve the things you want to achieve if you put in the work. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Everything what you just said is gold. And, and I also, I want to add on that um, those chirps and stuff, like, I mean, putting yourself out there, it's so funny because, like, anytime I ever start something new, you know, you always, even though, like you said, like, I'm a loved guy on the team. Uh, I mean, I, I, I like to say that. I like to think that. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, guys come on the pod and stuff. Guys seem to like me or they pretend to very well. And um, every time I try something new, whether it was a fitness page or the buzz pod, like I mentioned, or just anything, you know what I mean? Like you're always going to get those chirps um, when you're trying something new. Always, always, always. You got to just laugh with those and remember those because like when you when, when you do, if you do stay consistent with it and, and it gets big because if you stay consistent and work at something, it will work out. Um, like that's just something you're going to have to look back and laugh at. Yeah, I mean, again, it comes down to, like, believing in what you believe in, staying true to yourself, knowing what your goals are. Like I said, like, guys used to always chirp me and whatever, and, you know, oh, you'll never, you'll never play D1. You'll never, you'll never play in the NHL. Well, as a captain of D1 as a sophomore, which does not happen, like, right. the C as a sophomore, uh, I signed two NHL deals with the Bruins. I played 10 years professionally. Uh, when I started my Instagram, you know, oh, you got what are you doing on Instagram? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't start until I retired, which was stupid. Any player listening, get Instagram and you, uh, Twitter, whatever, when you're playing. You don't have to be is nasty be yourself you don't have to post every day post every once in a while post about what you like because like i said people were chirping me and now i have deals with i think like eight different companies where 
because of my Instagram, I have a deal with that company where I will either make money off off of Instagram posts or um, I get this massive discounts on their products to then give to my clients, which in turn makes my clients like me more because I can save them money on the things that they need. And it's all because I just constantly put myself out there and try and put out positive energy and vibes. So like anybody who's chirping you, it's just jealousy that they don't have the mental fortitude to put themselves out there. I mean, absolutely. And for me, it's uh, the way I look at it is is each person is their own brand, like whether you want to believe it or not. So so what you're doing when you when you create an Instagram and uh, uh, put your content out there is is you're putting your brand out there and and you're letting people uh, see your brand and, and you're letting your brand grow um through through instagram and then if 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 it grows well you know when you're done playing like then you have all that audience to to sell or or do whatever you want with them you know what i mean that's the way that's the way i look at it right now 100 percent, 100 percent. totally agree with that um you know and i'm trying to get uh get all my guys on nhl contracts ahl contracts to like understand that you know and there's still a little bit of pushback, but I mean, I'm, I'm buddies with uh, Matt Lashoff, who's like working, uh, he, he was a first round pick for the Bruins, we played together in Providence, played KHL, SHL, NLA, every, every the best leagues in the world, he played in all of them, he's retired now, and he's helping build like the new NHL rink in Seattle, and things like that, and he was telling me that um, the media coordinator for the NHL was just saying like, God, I wish we had more guys like Connor Carrick, or I wish we had more guys it's like, you know, whoever, just like putting their personality out there too. Like, obviously in a positive light, but I mean, I think the game of hockey needs more personality and it's, it's obviously gone that way over the last like five years, but like so many guys answering the same way, talking the same way, yeah. acting the same way. Like the game doesn't need that. Hockey is entertainment first and foremost to spectate. And if they're not entertained and they don't come to games, there's no game. There's no job. There's no money. So, like, as far as a professional level, if there's no fans in the stands, there's no game. So you got to engage with the fans. you got to, you know, let them know who you are. Like, I don't really watch sports anymore, but I love behind-the-scenes sports. Yeah. I love watching the behind-the-scenes. What are the guys doing training? What do they do? Where are they going out? What are they? Just because I like to see what they do in their daily lives that help them become who they are on the field, on the ice, whatever it is. That's so why those, suffering. yeah, yeah, that's why those, Um, sorry to cut you off there, that's why those NHL Winter Classic, when they do those series that they show the behind the scenes, like, those are, like, in, those are hockey porn. Yep, yep, those are the best. Literally, those are the best. So, so a successful hockey career, and you're absolutely killing it right now. Um, what's next on the agenda for you? Are you just trying to um, continue your, your your success, keep it growing? I mean, you're obviously a guy that likes to try new things. Like, 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 what, what do you got on on the agenda? Uh, uh, for me, it's, it's just finding ways to reach more people um, with the type of training I do. Uh, uh, I don't even talk about that, and I know that you're into like. Um, I don't like the word like functional training, but uh, you know, getting more away from the training in a phone booth. Um, right. I went to Washington Capitals Development Camp after my freshman or sophomore year of college, and I just lit the test up. I think I 
bench press like 275 like five or seven times or something and and then after me steps up uh nicholas backstrom who was just drafted fifth overall and he could not bench press 135 one time and for anybody who's played college hockey and lifting like meatheads back when i played like 135 is nothing like that's like it's like air and he couldn't do it one, one time and i'll never forget i was sitting there watching him do that and i and playing with him on the ice and i'm like this guy is this good and he can't even bench press my like yeah. I'm training and obviously we are different players completely different but I'm not even close to as good as he is but like it just completely a flip a, a switch flip and I was like I need to train in like a way that's going to translate to the ice more and so that's when I got into like learning about Mike Boyle and Cal Dietz and, and unilateral training and all these other things and so my the way that I trained players over the last ten nine years of my company you know, I got one guy, Joseph Wall, who I've had since he was 15, played for USA, signed with the Maple Leafs after Boston College, after he was a junior. You know, they're saying he's going to be the future of the Leafs. Like, we don't back squat ever, and I've had him from 15 to whatever, however old he is now, 22. Yep. We back squatted like six times over those six, seven years. Every single year when he would go to juniors or to college to test, his back squat went up. Every single year. And we would not back squat once. Wow. So, like, the, the proof was in the pudding that, like, you don't need to train in these old, archaic ways, what I look at as archaic, that put your spine in a compromising position or are dangerous or, or loading the spine, you know, in, in, like, an old-school deadlift all the time. Like, so I'm trying to push out this thing that, like, if you want to be an athlete, you need to train to be an athlete. You want to train to be good in the weight room. You want to be trained to good, be good on, your, on the ice, on the field, whatever it is. So my goal is through the app, growing that side of my business and trying to help people in a much cheaper way um, because not everyone can afford to see a strength coach. So I want to be that guy that can kind of help people that can't afford them. Yeah, I mean, that's unreal. And and definitely that's exactly um, what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to push that same type of training that you're pushing. I mean, I saw what you posted today um, doing the hip thrust with the bands and I wanted to bring that up because they used to make us do those hip thrusts but with the bars um fucking everywhere i played and i hated it the bar would kill my fucking hips and shit and uh you know you were doing 10 of those and and i didn't want to do full reps because the bar was actually just fucking hurting me and i know i sound like a bitch right now but it's crazy how and then like i would just i would go home and do holds and like i remember when i was playing in st john for the sea dogs i got a membership at, at a gym in the mall so i like we were doing our gym workouts with the team and stuff but i was doing my own workouts alone and and that's when i started to get into into working out more than ever i think but the body weight stuff started now with all my injuries and i just realized like holy shit dude like all those things that i used to hate about training like it's not that I hate training. Like I love training. I just, that's that, that way of training. Just like, it's not for me. And I was a beast in the gym. I was lifting weights and whatnot. Then I ended up like getting little injuries and stuff in my back and stuff from lifting all those weights. And now that I've switched to body weight stuff, like eccentric, slow movements, explosive movements, isometric holds, like I feel so much better. I feel stronger. I feel more explosive, faster. And my body just feels really good when I wake up in the morning, which is the biggest thing. Like I used to wake up in the morning 
And every single morning, like, and I'm talking like 16 to 21 back pain, like every single morning as I'm getting out of bed, you know what I mean? And like, that's just not normal. And now it just went away. You know what I mean? So it's not magic, but, uh, but it's got magical effects. Yeah, that's, that's unreal. And, um, I still use a lot of weight, but like, no, I never use a barbell unless we're using a landmine. Like we only use dumbbells, kettlebells. If we're going to load up anything bilateral, uh, meaning like two legs, um, or two limbs, it's either dumbbell bench press, um, or it's going to be like a trap bar deadlift where the, the plates are going to be elevated a little bit. Um, so it's just much easier on the spine. Nothing's being compressed on the spine. Um, there's just so many ways that I think, and, and then when you do unilateral lifting, which basically means like one limb at a time, uh, you have to, you have, it strengthens your core in such a functional way that's very similar to being on the ice and having someone push on you from just one side. And you have to negate that rotation, um, negate that lateral flexion, like just like in the corner, somebody's pushing, you don't want to fall over, you got to stay up and keep control of the puck. You can mimic that in the gym by doing unilateral, ipsilateral, contralateral training. But standing under a bar with two feet, back squatting, like that's not doing that. Like that, that that's not doing that. Like and, and the risk, I say risk to reward in the gym all the time. What's the risk for this exercise? What's the reward? The reward always has to far outweigh the risk for me to have any athlete do it because they are an athlete not a power lifter, not a weight lifter. My goal is to make them better at their sport, not open them up to injuries. Right, right. And I mean, for me, it's about like athleticism and what you said about using um, weights. Like, I think it's great. I'm not against using weights at all. Here's my thing, okay, is that you have a ton of knowledge on this. You've studied this and I mean, you've been doing it for years now, right? Whereas me, I'm giving this to to through my Instagram where the people that are doing it, I have no idea how much experience they have. And that's why I stick to solely body weight because you know, when it comes to lifting weights, um, any type of weights, in my opinion, like you gotta, you gotta have good form because if you don't have good form, like I've seen some embarrassing stuff in gyms and I'm sure you've, you have as well. And like, that's like, you know what I mean? So for me, if you have a guy like you in the gym with you, 100%, like you can lift weights um, with you guiding them and, and, and showing them how it's done. Um, but I think like for people that, that aren't sure, like, you know, don't risk it. Like you said, risk for reward. Totally, totally. And that's, that's massive. And I, I just think that's a failure on society's part as well. Like, we only have one body and like, you just think about quality of life and let's just say you've lived your whole life with two legs then all of a sudden you're you lose a leg your quality of life is going to go down because you've never you, you don't know how to live without that that second leg so for me I just as a metaphor like we should be teaching uh, children, how to use their bodies correctly, how to how to like do hip thrust, single leg hip thrust, and how their spine needs to function while they're doing lunges and moving, and how to correctly pick something up off the floor. I can't tell you how many guys that I have that play in the NHL that come in there their first workout, and the way they pick up a weight makes me scream out loud at them immediately. I don't care who it is, if they're a ten million dollar guy or it's a thirteen year old kid, I'm gonna say the same thing. Like, drop the weight. Don't you ever fucking lift the weight 
weight like that or anything you pick up off the ground again because it only takes one time to slip a disc. Yeah. Like, this is how you correctly do things. This is how you safely move. This is how you safely and effectively and efficiently move. And I just think that all those things should be taught to kids in school. Um, but, you know, that's another another topic. Wow. Well, 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 Jeff, we're pushing this uh, uh, metaphoric weight in the same direction, uh, if that makes any sense. Uh, but like, I mean, I'd love to have you on again to, to talk more because uh, you're just a guy that I think a lot of current players um, should listen to, should learn from. Uh, and uh, I mean, should be grateful to, to, to hear to hear out. So so I really appreciate you coming on the pod. And if you want to add anything um, extra that you want to say, you can add that no man i appreciate you having me on and i love what you're doing and uh glad brownie told me about you and he you know he had nothing but good things to say about you hopefully one day you'll come to st louis and you can train with us and uh kind of see what we got going on here and uh maybe i can lure you here to, to work for me one day when you're retired or in the summers but um you know i appreciate you having me on and if anybody wants to, to listen to our podcast ours is called the, the hockey think tank podcast and then uh, if you want, uh, if you have any questions about training or anything or my programs online, you can just shoot me a DM on Instagram. Uh, my handle is just my name, at Jeff Slovakio. Uh, so, yeah, just thanks for having me on and continue to do what you're doing, man. I love what you're doing. You're the man, Jeff. Uh, I think a lot of guys are going to listen to this and learn a lot from it. So thanks again for coming on. And, uh, yep, that's it. That ass unique Run like Ferraris I came out the mud like the cleats Felt like Muhammad Ali Wave I was born in the sea Life for the party Miami we at the story I beat them we in Calamari Get on these suckers sorry I'm not sorry Order the PJ I'm flying to Maui One on one only get V-Long from Barry She came with me once had a wonderful day Draw the book and put me in a diary we fell on a boat, I'm a pirate. Admit it, I know you admire it. My diamond dead like parade. My bag of in the door, same color shade. On your promotion, I give you a raise. Put on some potion, feel intoxicated. Flow like the ocean, y'all gonna go crazy. Tropical bitches are hell with it, wait. Put a bit double up on my Mercedes. Got me some million, no minimum wage. Cheese, we don't wanna go grease ya. Mm, hotline, turn the pipeline to a lifeline.